stage and um, if Mark will come up, thanks. <laughs> Everyone's a comedian, aren't they? Um, I've, I forgot to mention that we have a church meeting uh, straight up between our morning services today. We had one last week. We didn't reach quorum uh, to recall Warren McKenzie, and his call ends today. So we kind of need to do that. Uh, so at 10 o'clock after our service today, please uh, hang about and be a part of that. Uh, again, just to remind about the response card, Someone asked me uh, last week, why do you bang on about the response card like every week? And the reason is that I believe God speaks every week. And we want to make sure people have an opportunity to respond. So again, if, you, if there's anything about in the service today where God speaks to you, if he, um, you want to respond in a way, then please we encourage you to, to use that. Before we get into the word today, we're going to pray. And then we'll, we'll go through the word I've been having a few sleepless nights lately. I've been trying to stay up to watch the Cricket World Cup. And when I was a younger guy, I could stay up. I mean, I could go a whole match. I could go through to 3 or 4 in the morning and get up the next day and I'd be fine. Now if the match starts at 10.30, I don't make the first ball. Like, I'm snoring by 9.30. The other night I decided, right, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to watch. I forget who we were playing, but I think the match was starting at 10 o'clock. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to hit myself with some coffee. I'm going to be good. I'm going to start. I want to see Australia play. I fell asleep before the first ball was bowled. And when I finally woke up, I think by my own snoring, we were 20 overs in. Like it was done. I just went to bed. But it just revived in me. Like the other night, I, watched, I did see a little bit of Australia playing England at Lords. And I'm a cricket tragic. I love cricket. And when I was a kid, I used to dream of one day wearing the baggy green. And I knew that was not going to happen when my coach one day said to me in about grade eight, you're going, to open, you're going to be our opener this season in the, in the batting. I said, oh, is that because you've got a lot of faith in me? He said, no, it's just that we play our best batsman at number two, three and number four. Uh, okay. And so I went home and I told my father, hey, I'm going to be opening the batting from now on for this season. And Dad goes, right, out in the backyard, I know how to get you ready to be an opener. He said, get the ball, get the bat. So I got my tennis balls. No, I don't need that. You want a uh, cricket ball? So I got the cricket ball and I said, oh, I'll just go get my pads. And he said, no, you won't need them. So we went out in the backyard, and Dad's idea of preparing me to be an opening batsman was to peg the ball at my legs. And I was, looked like I was trying to dance from the 70s. I looked like Peter Garrett out of Midnight Oil. And he's like, boy, you've got to get used to this. If you're going to be an opening batsman, you're going to get the ball coming at you hard. You've got to get used to having the ball hit you. I said, yeah, but Dad, in cricket, I wear pads, not all the time. And I've got to give it to him. When I finally went out to opening the, bats, the batting, I was not scared of getting hit by a ball, which was a good thing because I did a lot because I wasn't very good. And I was a very easy target. As soon as the bowler worked out, uh, lined me up with a couple of short balls, hit me, hit me a little bit high, and then just bowl it full, and it's going to go through the gate. And I, I, had this, I had this thing when I played cricket that if I ever got bowled, I never turned around to see the stumps. I didn't want to see them laying all over the ground. And there comes a, and, but I can remember the first time I went out to bat and my coach actually said to me after a few net sessions on the very first game, Mark, um, just do your best today. Like that. I said, sorry? He said, well, you haven't looked that great in the nets. Just go well, mate. 
And so I went out there knowing that this was not going to end well. And if I'm honest, all through my life, and some of you will be able to relate to this, I, I think there have been many times when I've gone into situations feeling thoroughly inadequate for the task. And a few weeks ago, I went to a, this conference. I got invited to this conference in London, which was awesome. And as I sat down and I looked around the people's name tags, and we were given this sheet with all the people who were there, and we were all meant to contribute into this conversation. And I looked at the people who were on the list and where they had come from. There were like denominational leaders. There was a guy there who was the pastor of a church with 6,000 people in it. And there's me. And I felt so inadequate and so, why am I even here? Now, I don't know how you react to that situation, and maybe you have never felt inadequate in your life at anything. Praise God for you. I think you're lying to yourself. But men, I'm particularly talking to you, I think, today, because we don't act well when we feel inadequate, do we? My usual way when I feel inadequate is to crack funny jokes. And I wonder why I feel inadequate. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Yeah, again, we've had this conversation when I've got the microphone and you don't. And, and so we went, and so years ago, Catherine and I went to the, to become a Baptist pastor, you've got to have a psycho, psychological analysis. And of course, I'm cracking funny because I'm nervous. So the lady closed her notebook and said, why do you feel like you need to crack funny when you're uncomfortable or inadequate? And Catherine's like, why couldn't you just answer the questions? But for some of us, for some of us, particularly men, when we feel inadequate, our response is to go on the offensive and to get aggressive. And for me, when I was at that conference, a funny thing happened. I was sitting there and I'm thinking... I am so not worthy of being here. It was a three-day conference, and I honestly thought by the end of the first day, the, I, this is, I'm not exaggerating, I honestly thought that by the end of the first day, the leader of the thing would come and say to me, why don't you just go and enjoy London for the next two days? I thought they were going to see through me. They're going to go, you have nothing to contribute. Just go. But instead, the leader of the conference got up and said, I believe through prayer that there are people here today who are wondering why you are here. You don't feel adequate to be here. And we want you to know you've been invited. And I've been reflecting since that for the last three weeks on this whole thing of inadequacy. And then I got home and I was catching up with Della Stewart. And Della said to me, did you get my text message at the start of your conference? I'm like, no, because I had to swap out to get a UK SIM card. And the passage that she sent me was the one we're going to look at today. And I so wish I had not swapped out the SIM card because this would have been an awesome passage to get when I was feeling inadequate. And this is what happens. This comes from Jeremiah chapter 1. And it's what the call of Jeremiah by God and listen to Jeremiah's response and then listen to how God responds to him. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But I protested, oh no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. 
Then the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. Then the word of the Lord came to me asking, what do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. When God came to Jeremiah as a young man and said, I want you to be my prophet, I've appointed you. In fact, I chose you before you were even born. This has been the point of why I created you. You're going to be a prophet. We would all like to think that if that word came to us from God, we'd be like, giddy up, I'm with you, God. But I think Jeremiah's response is exactly how I would feel. And in fact, it was how I felt the day I got the phone call from a lady who was in the church at the time who rang me to say, we've just had a church meeting and we've decided you're going to be our new pastor. I was like, no, these people are crazy. Why would you have, and I still wonder why you do it, but you keep calling me back. And I love Jeremiah's response. I love the honesty of this man. I mean, it would be so disheartening to me if Jeremiah went, yeah, Lord, I'm in. Just send me where you want me to go. I'm good. No, Jeremiah says, oh, no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. And I was reading a commentary this week, of Matthew Henry back in 1710. I love how he puts Jeremiah's response. Though God had predestined him to it, Yet it was news to him and a mighty surprise. And I, I remember hearing this passage preached on when I was a younger man. And the, the, the pastor who was preaching was saying, maybe some of you today are being called into ministry and you're rejecting God and blah, blah, blah. And that, that was a great sermon. But, you know, I don't think it's just about ministry and pastoral ministry. I think all of us face moments and seasons in our lives when we look at what's around us and we say, I am not up to this. Lord, I don't know why you have put me in this position. I don't know why I am here. I am not up to this, Lord. I'm only a youth, Lord. I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to parent. I don't know how to move into retirement. I don't know how to whatever it is. And I think the first thing that this passage tells us is that when we are feeling that way, God is sovereign. And you being in that position that you feel inadequate for is not catching God by surprise. He knows you're there. In fact, he's put you there for a reason. And that to me is so heartening. Because God knows and I know there are people in this church right now who are facing the most incredible obstacles and the most incredible challenges and are as seasons of their life, your lives, where you are saying, I don't know how to do this. I am not up to the task. I don't know why God would have ever thought to put me into this position. And it may be for you at school, it might be for you at, at, at work, it might be in your home situation, you may be facing all sorts of stuff. God knows you are there. 
It has not caught him by surprise. And he is still sovereign in that situation. And I want God, when, when Jeremiah says to him, oh, Lord, I don't know how to speak, I want God to turn around and say, there, there, it's okay. I'll, I'll take you out of that situation and I'll find someone else. But look at how God responds. The Lord said, verse 7, The Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. We look at our inability. God calls us to look at his power. And if you are looking at a situation and you say, I am not up to this, then the good news of the gospel is, yeah, you aren't. You're not up to it. I'm not up. To, I'm not up to being a pastor. I'm not up to going to that conference. I feel inadequate at times to be the dad of four kids. I mean, I show them Wayne's World. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I don't know. Catherine says no, but sure. Um, little, little reference there. But God loves my children more than I love them. And God loves this church more than I love you. And God knows us and he loves us. And this idea that even if we are inadequate, even if we feel unable to the task, then God is with us and he says, you will go because I am with you. And whatever it is that you're facing, whatever you, it is, whatever circumstance you're looking at, it's not the circumstance that should dictate our response. It's the truth that Jesus is with us. Jeremiah is looking at the circumstance and saying, but I can't speak. I'm too young. Who's going to listen to me? And let's be honest. I mean, most of the prophets in the Old Testament, things did not end up well for them. Most of them ended up dead. Well, well they did, yes. But they ended up bad. They ended up getting slaughtered by the people who didn't want to hear the message. They ended up being ignored. They came to people with the word of God and a special word and people would just go, no. I mean, at one point, Jeremiah is walking around nude. You can read about that another time when the kids are at kids' home. But God is nevertheless with Jeremiah. And so we say, well, how can I know? How can I trust? Well, God tells Jeremiah... In verses 11 to 12, some truths that Jeremiah for his ministry could hang on to. Verse 8, do not be afraid of anyone for I will be with you. God is with Jeremiah. Verse 9, the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. He would enable Jeremiah. Verse 10, see I have appointed you today. God has commissioned Jeremiah. And verse 11 to 12, with this vision of the almond tree, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. God's purposes are never thwarted. And even if you feel like you're failing, even if you, might, you will get it wrong, I will get it wrong, God never, ever fails. There are four promises there for Jeremiah that God is with him, God will enable him, God has commissioned him and God will not fail. And the wonderful truth is for us as Christians, those four promises are ours in Jesus. So God's, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, For I am persuaded 
that neither death nor life nor angels nor rules nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just as God was with Jeremiah, Jesus is with us. Just as God enabled Jeremiah, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Just as God enabled Jeremiah, God will enable us. Just as God commissioned Jeremiah, Jesus commissions us. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And just as God's purpose is never thwarted, Jesus' purpose is never thwarted when he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Whatever situation you are in, those four promises are as true for you today as they were for Jeremiah. That's the truth of us. And I know that I'm not trying to make light of situations. I'm not trying to make light of difficulties and challenges that you are facing. But whatever the challenge is, our God is greater. And he says, I am with you through it. Paul Tripp, I put this uh, uh, quote on, I think, on the Facebook page this week. Portrait, one of a great Christian author puts it this way. God will confront you with how shockingly weak you are while blessing you with divine power that brings down strongholds. I'm not saying you're all gonna, we're all going to be prophets like Jeremiah. I'm not saying we're all going to go and do the spectacular things for Jesus. I'm saying that where you are in this moment, God is with you. And whether that's pain or grief, or sickness, or challenge, or worry, whatever it is, God is with you there. When I sat in that conference feeling thoroughly inadequate, I was inadequate, but my Jesus is everything. See, I think we make a mistake when we read passages like this and think it just applies to people in ministry. This applies to all of us. Whatever situation we are in, you have been sent by God. And whatever, whatever challenge you face, whether in school you are facing the challenge of bullies, whether in school you are facing the challenge of social media bombarding you with falsehoods and lies about who you are, Jesus says, you are mine. Where in the workplace you are facing difficulties and challenges, God says you're mine. Whether in your home life there are significant challenges and there are problems and you are worried, I get that. Jesus says you are mine. Whether he's calling you into step into a place of uncertainty and you don't know what's going to happen there, know that Jesus has already gone ahead of you into that place. Jesus is enough. And when he died and rose again for us, he called us to be a people of his own and he said, child, you are mine. And we can claim verse 12 there. When the Lord said to Jeremiah, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Jesus will never fail. 
And so I ask myself then, how do I respond? How, how do I, how do, when I go into that place and I feel inadequate or I feel like I don't, I just want to get out of this because this is too hard. What do I do? And I think for me, and this might be a different answer for you, but for me, there are two things I've got to do. The first is I've got to own that place. And not try and work out how I'm going to get out of it because I may not be able to get out of it. But to own the responsibility of that moment and then do the second thing, which is to look for Jesus there. And I was so encouraged by another guy that was on this conference who, when I shared with him on like day two, this is how I'm feeling, he said, yeah, I, feel, I felt like that on day one too. Because in his situation, when he was invited to come to this conference, he was pastoring a large church but between getting invited and the conference, that church fired him. He felt like a failure. He's there going, I, I am a failure. Why am I here? But his response was not to sit there and say, I am inadequate. His response was to say, well, Jesus has me here. Now it's my job to work out why Jesus has me here. What a great attitude. I don't think I'm surprising anyone when I say this next thing. I married an amazing woman. And Catherine, in her own life and in her own daily struggles, both of us have had these feelings of inadequacy over the years. But my wife has become my teacher because she has this list of Bible quotes and Bible promises that she carries with her wherever she goes. And whenever she feels inadequate for the day, whenever she feels like, I don't know what I'm meant to be here, I don't know how I'm going to do this, she pulls out those Bible quotes. And she doesn't just read them, she speaks them aloud over herself. See, the answer to this passage is not for us to go, oh, I'm all that, because we're not. The answer is to claim the promises of God in Scripture. And that's why verse 12 says, I will watch over my word to accomplish it. Friends, I don't, I don't know what you're facing. I know what some of you are facing. I don't know what all of you are facing. But God knows. And my heart for us as a church is to go beyond the church that has bums on seats and becomes more and more that church that can get alongside one another and send that message like Della sent to me. And to get alongside one another when we are going through rough times and have someone else come alongside us and say, but I'm with you and Jesus is with you. Because that's when church becomes the church that, we, that God wants us to be. So as the worship team comes back up to, to close our service, I just want to give you a moment of quiet to reflect. And if you're, I'm sure most people here can right now think of a situation you're facing where you probably feel inadequate for it. And I'd just love for you to stop, 